We've all imagined them, or maybe even seen them on TV or in a movie. Epic conquests that test your outermost limits and change what you believe is possible. Maybe it's crossing an Ironman finish line or finishing 100 miles through the Rocky Mountains. But with work and family and bills, those often seem out of reach for the average guy. Or maybe they're just reserved for the lucky ones who train for a living or have less on their plates. Well, we're just not willing to accept that. Yes, we have jobs and wives and kids, and we certainly aren't pro athletes. We're just average dudes, rejecting an average life. This is the 3OK Runners Podcast. Hey guys, it's Jeff. Enjoy these next few episodes where we dive a little deeper into the lives of the 3OK Runners. Brother Jared, Chief, and why we call him Chief, and then myself. Enjoy. Well, here we go, Jared. You're in the hot seat this week. I'm uh, ready. Good, good. Lead us off with what we just uh, experienced. Well, um, we did a 13 and a half mile training run, which I signed on to because you told us we were going to be running with a friend of yours. I thought we were a run for hire team, which <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not a run for hire team. We are a hire for beer drinking team, <laughs> yeah. if you have that opportunity for us. Yeah, so... so we were told your friend was doing a virtual half marathon and we were going to run it with him. And so I thought, I'm not ready for a run of that length, but if the team is doing it, I'm in. And yeah, by um, God, we'll be there. It's, uh, well, the good thing is, I think uh, he's still doing the virtual half marathon. He just didn't do it with us. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, the guy that we're supposed to run with didn't show up. So here we are, running a lap around Draper, all by our lonesomes. So... But yeah, that's what we did. Lap around Draper today, 13 and a half mile run. Went well. We stopped at four and a half. We stopped at nine miles to get the nutrition in. For those of you that are asking, yes, I ate a sweet potato burrito. Another <laughs> sweet potato burrito. Thank you, wife. She fired those up for me last night. They were phenomenal again. Oh, so this wasn't even a product of leftovers. Now you're actually making a point to oh, make sweet potato On purposely okay. making these. If it's made to order, I'd like to place my order now for next run. Well, Beth, you're going to be listening to this soon, so... Uh, you heard Jeff. He okay. Wanted for you to make him a sweet potato. Count burrito. me in. Count e- me extra in. Extra salt, please, for me, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to count the calories on those, and the tortilla alone, because she got a little bit bigger ones this time, they're like 250 calories just for the tortilla. So that, with the sweet potato, I'm thinking we're like 350 deep at least in calories, and you got the carbohydrates. It's not a bad, because a lot of my race plan is going to be trying to get 500 calories an hour during the race. And so... But I want to make it as easy as possible. For 500 food calories or does that count drink supplement too? No, it'll be just food calories, substance in my stomach. Because I do have the issue of eating while running long distances. And so I'm trying to bank calories early. And I got the tailwind, which has got the mystodium and calories in it too. And, and by using that. so Because your body can only digest, like I think they were saying, 450, 500 calories an hour. That's anyway. what I mean. Do you count your tailwind <clears throat> calories in that 500? I'm not going to in case I'm a little low on food calories. That way, I, I'm still reaching that 500 goal. Gotcha. You know? but, but let's not talk about me. We're going to talk about Jared today. Not Chief, but Jared. We're going to fire off some questions at him, learn a little bit about him and who he is and what got him here today. So I'll, I'll start off the first question for him. What's the most difficult thing you've ever done in your life? Man. Right out of the gate. Right out of the <laughs> gate. Uh, the most difficult thing I've ever done. Do you mean like 
is it physically? Do you want? Do you, are you talking about like race type? No, let's what do let's you want? go in, most in difficult thing? anything. Just the most difficult thing you've ever done. Holy cow! The most difficult thing I've ever done. This is a terrible answer, but it's true. I ate the big Texan steak <laughs> <laughs> in Amarillo. I thought you were talking about going to law school or something. No, no. no. <laughs> Compared to, to to law school, compared to anything else I've ever done, the the most difficult thing I've ever done, I I ate the big Texan steak, and here here's the sad part about it, it was on my second attempt. I actually tried it once and failed. Weren't you at like a wedding or something? <laughs> yeah. So I had tried it once on my way home from college in the summer with a buddy of mine, and we tried it just when we were driving through Amarillo. And we didn't, we hadn't planned it well. We we got to the steakhouse at like 1130 in the morning. And so we're trying to have it as lunch. And if if you've ever thought about trying to eat the Big Texan steak, don't do it for lunch. What um, is the Big Texan? Explain okay. so they don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. All right. So the Big Texan steak challenge is at this very touristy restaurant in Amarillo. And it's a 72 ounce steak. And you have to finish all the sides too. So it comes with a side salad. Comes with a baked potato, a roll, and a what what they call a shrimp cocktail, which are are little like mini fried shrimp in cocktail sauce. Oh. And so you eat that full meal, you've got an hour to do it. Oh, oh my gosh! How do you even cut a steak up in an hour? <laughs> That's one of the hardest parts is cutting it up. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's a giant sirloin. There's not much fat in it. It is tough. They they tell you I made a mistake the first time I ordered it medium. They said you'll never do it. You got to go medium rare. It gets too tough. Your jaws get too tired. So anyway, I tried it the first time, failed miserably, and then it just you know kind of stuck with me. And I was like, they send you a T-shirt after it says, "I tried to do it." I'm like, okay, that's it, trolling you now. Right? <laughs> I'm going back. So we had a buddy getting married in Amarillo, and I said, "Perfect, let's go down early, hit the big Texan." <laughs> so we went down, and uh, and I and I gave it another attempt. And as the time was running out, I took my last bite of baked potato and I was like getting ready to celebrate. And I kind of showed there's a judge up there. They sit you up on a stage and, and she was like, I don't know. There seems to be some potato left. And I, I was welling up. I was about to get serious. And the, and the official judge came over and said, no, no, you're good. And I was like, good thing, because we were about to have a real problem here. Uh, so anyway, I, I finished, and uh, the most difficult part was maybe attending that wedding after that meal. That was probably the hardest part. Napping in the back. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, but really, that's uh, that's sad. And then they send you a t-shirt for that, too, and it says, I ate the Big Texan. So What's it cost uh, if you don't finish? At the time, you know, I think it was like $59 or something. It's probably more now. But at the time, it was it was like 59 It was probably 10 or 15 years ago. Well, that goes to show that he does not know what we're asking him because I did not expect that. <laughs> All right, you got one for him, well, Jeff? That's a great one. I do have one. Um, Jared, what is your earliest competitive memory? Man, my earliest competitive memory, um, Jeff, uh, where, where I'm kind of differentiating between, you know, doing some Little League sports and kind of getting into real competition stuff. Um, I remember growing up um, wrestling in kind of the summers when you would do what would be like AAU basketball or whatever. You would wrestle freestyle and Greco in the summer after the, the regular season. And I can remember that being really the first time where I got into something that like I wanted to be good at and I wanted to get better at. Um, 
And so to me, going to traveling around the state and around the country to wrestling tournaments in the summer, I think is really what um, maybe put in my mind sort of a next level of competitiveness. Sure. That's a good one. I would say that also probably brings out a little bit of some aspirations and some goal setting. And, you know, once you start forming your own memories of that, that kind of cements in the train reward feeling, train reward feeling. Well, and it was, you know, it was just an opportunity to see a lot of different guys that were at levels that I wasn't at, but that I could, that I respected and wanted to be at. And so, you know, it just kind of gave me something to shoot at. Um, And that's, that's probably, I think my sort of earliest real competitive desire was I want to be where they're at. That's a great one. So, All right, Chief, you're up. Go over a little bit of what what's some of your race background. What what have you attempted and accomplished in your in your life? <clears throat> yeah. So, um, so I I wrestled in college, um, and when I finished wrestling for a while, I was sort of done athletically. I didn't. I wasn't interested in anything. I was. You know. I felt like my my mind and body had been through so much that I wanted a break. Um, and so I thought, you know, I'll just sort of work out like, like normal people, you know, I'll just go to the gym and kind of do some workouts. Well, it turns out I don't just work out. Um, so, you know, I think I made it to the gym a couple of times and then I quit, you know? And so I, I needed, I needed something out there to work toward, to train toward. And so, um, the very first thing I ever did, I was, I was newly married at the time, and my wife and I decided we'll run the Oklahoma City Half Marathon. And at the time, I was I had done no distance running at all. The most running I'd ever done was just in wrestling practice. And you don't do a ton of running, but you kind of run some. And so, you know, I wasn't a runner, and that seemed like a, a tough goal to set. And my wife and I were going to do it together. And so, um, and so we did. And that was kind of my foray into any kind of, of racing or endurance type events. And from, you know, from that half marathon we built up Jeff and I did the Chicago marathon together. That was the first marathon I ever did. It went terrible. Uh, Remember, I mean, I (laughs) was was a great time. It was when I was first discovering what a severe cramping problem I have. Um, Because you're a sweater. Yeah, I'm a sweater. I mean, you could could tell by looking at me. I mean, when I'm in the gym on the treadmill, there's nobody on any of the treadmills. You have to wipe down both treadmills next to you. Yes, I mean, it's like stay out of the splash zone. You know, I mean, you don't want to. And so, you know, it was when I was first sort of learning that. And and unfortunately, you learn it in like, you know, the races that you sign up for. Yeah, I, I think I remember you saying something about, I can't believe. I still have this jacket on. I'm soaking wet now. Oh, remember yeah. That? I remember I blamed. It was so I cold when we started. And I don't know who you were blaming, but. It I was... blamed my wife. You, you, you're going to figure out that anytime the race goes really bad, I blame somebody <laughs> well, else. Don't we all? <laughs> Immediately. So I, I, I blamed my wife because we had planned for her to meet us at like mile six. Yeah. And we didn't realize that Chicago Marathon it starts, and 45 minutes later, you're still waiting at the start line. You haven't even started your race yeah, yet. Yeah, there's and so a ton of people there. The timing got so far off with, with who was there with us, and we missed them at our first checkpoint. They were there and had already left before we ever got That's there. That's right. And so I had to wear, I think it was like 30 degrees when we started, so it we were really cold up, when we walked over. But it warmed up to 55 or something. Yeah. 
Well, I had that all that stuff on until like 13 miles in, and I'm a sweater. You're, you're already a sweater, and you're wearing a condom over the top of your head. <laughs> yeah. So I go. I we finally see him. I take off my jacket, and I mean, I am. It looks like I just got out of a lake. I'm like, oh yeah. boys, and he's in panic mode. Like somebody's in the splash. How much zone. further <laughs> do we have to go? How much this further is, do we have to go? I, about two miles later, the cramps set in, and I struggled through the rest of that race. Oh, I mean, it yeah. it took over five hours for us to do that marathon, and I hated it. Um, and so, you know, I, I did the Chicago marathon. After that, you know, I started to kind of hit my stride. Did the Oklahoma City marathon several times, um, and then Jeff got me into triathlons. Um, he was, he was doing Xterra off-road triathlons at the time and said, man, these are fun. You got to do them. And, uh, and I said, all right, well, let's do it. And so I, I bought a mountain bike, kind of a, a crappy mountain bike. And, uh, he, he introduced me to triathlons on a road triathlon <laughs> on my mountain bike, um, with my mud tires on it. And all these guys there were like, dude, at least put some slick tires on this thing. And I'm like, I don't even know what they're talking about. I think it's the only race I ever beat you at. Oh, golly. Okay. You passed me on the bike. I guarantee it. Do you remember this, though? Do you remember going? Because I think we did the back-to-back. Well, yeah. And we got the slick tires. Yes. And changed it. Back in the day, the, the Route 66 triathlon yes. was a two-day event. And they did a sprint the first day and an Olympic the second That's day. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so you could do them back-to-back. So you back. could do back-to-back. Back, um, if, if you were wild enough to... Take that on. So we did the first day in my mud tires. <laughs> we left the triathlon, went to the bike store, yep. and said, I got to have slick tires for this thing. <laughs> Came back the next day, did the Olympic distance on the mountain bike with the slick tires. It went better. But I think you beat good. me that time. It still was not good. <laughs> I'm picturing you like a lifted truck down the interstate where you got that hum, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not a pretty side. So anyway, we, we kind of, you know, worked through all of those, you know, inexperienced days and um and then eventually you know i got into some real real stuff and we did some half ironmans um we did the red man half ironman jeff and i have done the austin half ironman um and and we built up to full ironmans and uh we did ironman boulder i think in 2015 or 2016 i was 40 so five years ago okay um, so that would have been 2015 okay 2016 yeah. And then Chattanooga. We did Ironman Boulder. We did Ironman Chattanooga. We did mm-hmm. some 70.3s. In. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's a that's a high level race review for me. So you've got two full Ironmans and then how many half Ironmans you got completed? Golly, it's La Quinta. We all three did together in Palm Springs. Um, Austin 70.3. Awesome. I know I did Redman. Um, the mm-hmm. Oklahoma City one. I did the half iron there at least once, maybe twice. I probably have five 70.3s. Okay. Um, and then two full distance. Which iron we've bands. talked about. That's the f- <clears throat> more fun of the two distances. I enjoyed 70.3 a lot better. To me, the 70.3 is kind of the perfect distance. Um, it's, a, it's a legit distance. You've got to train. You've got to be fit to do it. But it doesn't necessarily take over your life. Like it, yes. like full Ironman training does, and we'll talk about it in later episodes. But that that was my main complaint. That's the hardest part about Ironman. It's not the race. By the time you get to the race, you've trained so hard. The race is just a big long training day at that point. It's the training, the back to back days, the twice two days, and 
That's the hard part of Iron Man. But yeah. We'll move on. What's your next question, Jeff? Well, I would say just, you know, listening to the way you built up from the start of kind of your competitive spirit into some endurance and then building from there, like that leads into my next question. Do you prefer um, to learn about yourself as you experience the event or do you prefer preparation and learning during training and then letting the event just be a day to capture it all? Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm really a dive right into event type of stuff. Um, I'm not a big researcher. I'm not into trying to learn everything about a course. I don't go and ride or run courses before, um, you know, and I know there are people that do that. I mean, at Ironman races, there are people that go out and they drive the whole bike course. They want to see it all. And and I'm just not that guy. Um, you don't research races before you sign a whole team up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that one of those things? Yes. I, 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 act on, I act on passion and impulse, Chief. I mean, that's, You're that's, kidding. that's what I do. <laughs> I didn't even notice. So, no, so Jeff, I, I mean, I would say, you know, my hindsight is always so much better for me, right? I, I'm always so much more prepared to do the race right after I finish it than I was before it. And so um, I, I, a lot of times, depend on the people around me, like you guys, who do a lot of research, who, you know, try to learn things and read things and share them with me and the level of my knowledge about races before we go into them is probably whatever you guys have told me. And other than that, I don't <laughs> got to keep that in mind. I don't know what I'm getting into. <laughs> Boy, I relied on you a lot more than that. So between the net for the next, before we go off the next question, I'm going to take a, a beer break here for a second. Same. So what'd you bring little, us chief? A little Oklahoma beer, uh, commercial. We're drinking the Anthem Arjuna. It is a great beer. It's one of my favorites. I didn't really care about the color like Jeff does or anything like that. <laughs> it's just a delicious beer. It's one of those Belgian style wits. It's one of my favorite after run beers. Is that kind of that wit style beer? Like Coop has a negative split. Anthem does the Arjuna. There's multiple other brands. Like I said, well, if you guys want to send us beer, we'll drink it. We'll test it. We'll let you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just a quick plug there. No big deal. But so my next question is, with what we've got going on and we've talked about in the last episode, but how do you juggle day-to-day life? How do you fit? How do you, how do you make it work? How do you fit those runs in? How do you fit the training in? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And it's a, it's a question that is even hard for me to answer. Um, because I'm, you know, I'm not sure I know, um, exactly how it works week to week. And, and sometimes the way it works one week is different than the way it works another week. Um, you know, as, as you guys are, and I think as, as pretty much everybody is, you know, I've got a lot of pulls on my time. I've got, some of them are self-imposed, you know, and some of them are just kind of how life is now. So, you know, I've got, I've got four kids, my, you know, all my kids are involved in some kind of activities, you know, some of those activities I'm involved in helping coach or whatever. Um, obviously I, I like to spend time with my wife. Um, with our kids and without our kids. And so, you know, there's that. I have a busy job. I'm a lawyer. I have my own law firm with a partner um, and, and we're busy. And so it, you know, sometimes I'm not even sure myself how I'm going to fit in anything extra. Um, but here's what I try to focus on. I try to take advantage of times where my family is sleeping anyway, right? So I can get up early and get long runs in, short runs in, workouts in, 
Um, I can do those things while my family's asleep. And so I've gotten them in. I haven't really taken any time out of what I would otherwise um, spend with my family. Um, I, I take advantage of, you know, when I need to do short workouts, I do those at lunch instead of going to lunch. You know, there was a time where four or five days a week, I went to lunch with a friend or something at work and, you know, we'd spend an hour and go get lunch. Well, if I've got to get something in now, instead of that, I, I go to the gym for an hour and I eat something at my desk. Um, and do I love doing that? I really don't. I would much rather go and sit at lunch. Um, and I still do, you know, on some days I try to have, you know, a fun lunch on Thursday or Friday, um, just because I like to do that and I don't want to give that up entirely, but you know, it's, it's a balance sometimes that you've got to figure out. What's early for you? Yeah. yeah so my wife will laugh at this when, she, when, when I say it, but I usually set my alarm for four thirty. I set another one for four forty-five, and then I probably average waking up at five thirty or six. So <laughs> I tend to hit a lot of snoozes. You got great aspirations early. Right <laughs> out the gate. When I'm going to sleep, I'm like, man, I'm getting up at four thirty. I'll be at the gym at five and I'll crush it. <laughs> crush it, right? It, it doesn't happen like that very often. Um, and so, you know, I, it's whatever I can get up and, and get in before work. I wish I were better at that. I'm just not. And, and like I said, I set the alarm every day. I just don't get up like that every day. Well, we... and, but, you know, but early is early is five o'clock probably for me. If I get up at five, I can get a solid workout in and shower and get to work, take my kids to school. I take my kids to school most days. Um, and we leave about seven thirty. So I've got to have my workout in, got to be ready for work, and take them to work before that. And the other thing, I, the other thing I do is, and I know you guys do this. I involve, you know, my wife and I will run together. Sometimes she's she's supportive, um, not necessarily of full Ironmans or hundred mile races, <laughs> <laughs> but she's supportive generally of of the things that we do. Um, and and I include her in it. I don't I don't sign up for races really unless it's a place where I want to go with my wife. Um, so, you know, like I've never done, I don't want to like shit on places, but I've, I've never done like the Waco 70.3 or I love Waco. I'm sure it's very nice, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like the races that I've signed up for and gone to do are places I want to go. I'm, I'm signed up for Ironman Florida in Panama city in November. Cause my wife and I want to go on vacation to Panama city. Um, sure. And so, you know, it's the same reason we did La Quinta in Palm Springs. We were like, Hey, let's go. This will be a cool, fun race. Palm Springs uh, in December, which was, I'm ready to go race, back. Right? I mean, I'm it ready was to go incredible. Back. We'll talk about that race later. It, the water wasn't the best. <laughs> Small <laughs> we, we missed a pivotal race history with you though. Hotter than hell. Sonic burritos. Ah, I, oh, I, I totally forgot about hotter than hell. Yeah. Um, okay. So hotter than hell is the hundred mile bike ride out of Wichita Falls. Yes. Um, and I, okay. So hotter than hell. This is another thing that I believe I got him into. Hotter than hell was a game changer for me. Nutrition wise. <laughs> yes. yes okay? it was. It's a but, game changer for the rest of us also. At the hotter than hell race, they have, you know, stopping points, aid stations, whatever you want to call them, full blown tents of legit food. Like one, what they were making breakfast burritos. I mean, full blown food at these Sous places. Chefs, They're grilling <laughs> yeah. out. I mean, and it's a party atmosphere. And so, you know, we're in the middle of a hundred mile bike ride, and I wasn't that fit for hundred hell. And so I was thinking, geez, a hundred miles is—I don't know if I'll make it. 
but I'm definitely not going to give up a breakfast burrito at the aid station, right? I'm not, there's some standards I have and I'm not going to pass on a breakfast burrito. And so I eat at every aid station, whatever food they're cooking, hot dogs, sausages, breakfast burritos. I, I ate all that. Well, turns out the end of Hotter Than Hell, I'm still hammering. Remember, we were getting yes. in groups, and we yes. were hammering. That was a tremendous bike race experience. And I, I was think not our nutrition. Fit. Exactly. I was not fit enough for that. And all of a sudden, I go, hey, maybe my problem is I'm not taking in near enough calories, salt, and everything on a regular basis. And that changed everything for me race-wise. And since then... I have really been able to control the cramping problems that I have in races. And what I mean cramping, you guys can attest to this. We're talking like my full body, I'm cramping in my neck, in my back, under my ribs. I can't move. I'm like literally stuck in a place. And if I move at all, it cramps up. I mean, it's... I can attest to this. I don't know if you're laughing, but it's miserable. I have walked up on Jared on the side of a trail cramped on the side of the trail saying i am not leaving from this space forevermore <laughs> i literally can't move so i i mean but but since then i've had that under control and it's how you mentioned sonic burritos for iron man chattanooga <laughs> I, I literally ate the ultimate meat and cheese sonic breakfast burritos on the bike two of them <laughs> Because Which of is a that, fantastic that we picked feet. up the day before, <laughs> that I picked, I had to drive, I had to drive through the day before to get my race nutrition from Sonic, and, uh, and true, I, a true Oklahoman, uh, true Oklahoman. Hey, honestly, Sonic and, and I didn't, I didn't cramp in that race, and I wasn't very fit for that race either, and I did not cramp. Versus Ironman Boulder, I was the fittest I had ever been. I was cramping by the end of the bike, mm-hmm. and I suffered through the run like I thought I'm never doing another Ironman race again I hated it so bad it was just because I didn't know what I was doing nutrition wise well the key to that is <clears throat> is you're getting experience through races you're never going to have a perfect race you never can read the perfect article that will have you ready to have a perfect race strategy to run the perfect race your first time out of the gate you've got to get out there and you've got That's to experience right. races and learn hotter than hell just a random race you sign up for and you really have changed the way that you do nutrition. And I'm, I've very much kind of changed where I do it too, based off of what you were saying. That's why I'm eating sweet potato burritos in the ditch, right? I'm glad to hear I had an effect on you. <laughs> My burritos aren't as fantastic as the ultimate meat and cheese. No, no offense, Beth, but I'm saying they're delicious, but though know, eating solid food, I prefer that much more than eating gels and eating like the stuff. One, like, I like to try to train and eat the same stuff every time, but those gels are expensive. That stuff gets a, quite of a burden on you. And so when you can make your own stuff, it's so much cooler. Or you could go and buy the burritos and they have a huge caloric intake, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, nutritional food is, is epic. But you got a question for him, Jeff? I do. I, th- I think one of the biggest takeaways from that is I believe you have to test your limits in order to find out what your body will do. And then you have to be aware enough to adjust and try something else and be okay with, maybe it didn't go perfectly, but I did learn something. And along those lines, like I would love to know what gives you the courage, because I can't think of a better word, to tackle the next big obstacle when maybe it doesn't go the way that you had planned the previous one or something like that? What makes you come back and test that again? Mm. 
Yeah. I wish I could remember the quote from We Bought a Zoo where Matt Damon talks about just needing that second of courage, right? That's how I feel about when I sign up for races because I can tell you pretty much without fail, after most of these sort of bigger races that, let's face it, you feel pretty bad by the time you get to the end of it. I mean, I I don't know that I've ever gone through a, a really challenging race where at the end of it I'm like man I feel great when's the next one if you do you probably didn't push yourself hard enough right you're so you're you're always kind of in a state of depletion I feel like by the time you reach the end of it and mentally what that does for me is says this is my last one I'm never doing this again oh yeah I, I mean I've I've done it after every Ironman I've said I'm never signing up for another Ironman <laughs> and and here I am signed up for another Ironman <laughs> right now um and so, you know, Jeff, I, I don't know because it's not an instantaneous thing, right? It's not a, hey, this is what I do. I think what happens is I do it and that's gone and it's not out there anymore. And then a period of time goes by and I realize I need that out there. I yes. need that out there to hold me accountable. I need that out there mentally to, to give me something to strive for and to push toward. And so I, I don't know that it's, I don't think it's courage. I think it's maybe like a, a lack of discipline without it. And so putting it out there says, oh, now I have to be disciplined. Now I have to be accountable to something. That's what it, that's what it is for me. I mean, I know guys, my, my law partner is a good example of this. He can just work out day after day toward nothing. He's not signed up for anything. Not, you know, he doesn't have to have a race in the future. He can just go to the gym every day and, and, and work hard. That is not me. Okay. <laughs> if, I, if, I'm, if I don't have something I'm training for, I'm not training. Yes. And, and I don't know why. I, I wish I were not like that, truly, because we spent a lot of money, you know, coming up with things to do just to get me to go to the gym. But, I, I, you know, that, that's what it is for me. It's, it's what is out there that holds me accountable. Sure. And, and I think that's honestly, it's part of the reason why I think my family, my wife in particular, is supportive of it is because she knows that with those things in place, that that I'm better, that I'm more disciplined, that I work harder, that I'm more present. You know, and, and I think getting back to the question about how we do it, and you know, I touched on kind of involving that. I can't tell you the number of times where we're getting ready for Ironman, and I'm sitting there on the bike trainer next to my wife on the couch, and we're watching a movie together. Now, is that the ideal way for us to watch a movie together? No. The trainer's kind of loud. I'd rather be on the couch, you know. You're in bicycle shorts. (laughs) You know, that's just never good, right? I mean, I I want my wife to be attracted to me, but I'm sitting there in bicycle shorts. Anyway, but, you know, no, that's not ideal. And remember, you're a sweater. And I'm a sweater. You know, and, and so that's not ideal, but it's better than the alternative. And then at the end of the day, the payoff, she's part of that too, right? I mean, I haven't done an Ironman where she's not there. And so it, it's involving her in the process, involving my family in the process. I know you run with your kids. You, I, it's you, There's just, even if it's not the ideal training scenario, but it allows you to include your family or spend time with your family, I would rather sacrifice the ideal scenario training-wise to make sure I'm there family-wise. And that's what separates us from those professionals that we talked about and why this podcast is what it is. You're exactly right. 
We talked about setting an example for the kids. I want to set example for my kids that fitness is a priority in your life and always will be a priority. And like you, so like you said, I go out for runs. I don't go run by myself when I can't every single time. Hey, grab your bikes. My son got an electric skateboard for Christmas. Get on your, let's go around the airport. I, I, I live in Shawnee, and so there's an airport, little three and a half mile airport route around there. Always involved in the family. The wife comes along. We go for a run together. The kids are riding their bikes. It's being creative to how to make them involved with what you're doing is where the success will lie on having a supportive spouse and not having a supportive spouse. You've got to include them day to day. You've got to, help, you've got to try to bring the family together. And so you, you get two birds, one stone. Not the ideal training situation. You know, you're not going to see professional guys out there hammering around the airport with, with their kids on the bike because it's slow and clunky. But we're getting our runs in and we're getting time with the family. And that's what is the most important thing at the end of the day. I have one more question for Jared and then we'll do our lightning round and wrap it up. What do you guys say? Good to go? Sounds good. All right. So this is a, another Jeff style in-depth question here. Uh-oh. So uh, what will be, what, it's a two-part question. What's one thing that would cause you to fail at Leadville? You really want to put this in my head? <laughs> no, it's better to bring it light so you know not to do it, right? Unless you don't want to answer it. Oh, I'll answer it. One thing that will cause me to fail in Leadville. Setting cramps aside. <laughs> right, Sweating in cramps is off. I'm going to have that one under control, I think. Um, I, I think that, honestly, the, the thing that I'm most concerned about is the ability before that to recreate that level of suffering, that level of challenge, right? I mean, at at this point, the furthest I've ever run is a marathon. Well, I say that. Tulsa Marathon has that little <laughs> to detour, make it, to make it ultra. <laughs> the journey to the center of the universe or whatever yeah, they call it. Yeah. It's I, I was doing Tulsa Marathon. I think it was I don't know maybe two Novembers ago, and I wasn't going to do it because it adds what an extra like point three or point four, and they call it the world's shortest ultra marathon. And I thought <laughs> this is kind of cheesy. I'm, you know I'm not going to do that because I don't want to claim like yes I did an ultra. Well I'm running the end of the Tulsa Marathon. It was going okay, but I was slowing down, and I was wearing my Ironman Chattanooga hat, and it was the year that Tulsa was about to have their first ever Ironman, and there was a lady that was running, and she saw my hat, and she said, oh, hey, you do Ironmans. Are you doing Tulsa? And we got to talking. Well, the next thing you know, I'm kind of running with her as we're approaching the end, and she says, you're doing the detour, right? And so then, of course, I'm on the spot. Right. I mean, I'm like, oh, I wasn't going to do the detour, but do I really want to be that guy right now? And so I said, of course. Yeah. I mean, who's not? Isn't everyone? Who doesn't do the detour? So because of her, I do the detour. She leaves me over the bridge. She literally like she speeds up as we take the detour. So then I'm like, why did I even do this? She can't even see if I did it. Can I turn around? Is it too late? (laughs) So I do the detour. But anyway, my point is a marathon is the furthest I have I have ever run, and I know in our training runs, you know, our plan is to get four 50-mile runs ahead of time. Yes. And obviously, the 50 miles for me is going to be crazy, but 50 miles is not 100 miles. And so the, the, the biggest concern I have is I just don't know what my mind and body is going to think 
70 miles into a race at 3 a.m. and I'm supposed to keep running. And that worry, the, the unknown part of that worries me. And that is, I, I think, just the inexperience with that is what feels to me like, can I keep going or not? So that's what worries me about finishing Leadville is I just don't know what that's like. Man, you gave me chills thinking about it. It sounds pretty epic just listening to you. I think that's a very real concern. I would venture to say that's probably a concern for all three of us sitting here. I mean, am I going to sit down and sleep on the side of the trail? Like, I mean, really? Like, in my head, I could think, well, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Like, I mean, that could happen. I can't imagine the level of suffering. I think that statement is very real. And I think trying to recreate that... We don't know what that is, so we will not be able to recreate it. So when that comes, will we be ready to handle that? And that's what's addictive for me is I want to know where who I am. I don't even know who I am at that point. None of us know who we are at that point. And that's what's addicting about it for me is to try to find out who I am at that point. Because when you're comfortable on the couch with your wife watching Netflix, I know who I am. I do it, I do it all the time, right? But... Being out there 70 miles deep at 3 in the morning in the middle of the mountains in pain. Am I as tough as I think I am? Can I really dig deep the way that I talk that I can? That's where I want to know. Am I all talk or I, or can I really deliver on what I say? That's That to me is the core of why I do this is to say, am I all talk or am I really the person that I think that I am? And then lastly... Man, I hope I like the answer to that question. I really hope I like the answer, too, because I don't know if I can look myself in the mirror and be like, you're not the guy that you think you are. (laughs) It'll be somebody else's fault, I promise. (laughs) I'll come up with somebody. My wife messed up. She was my crew chief. 100%. She should have known sweet potato burritos at 48. You knew that. That was part of the plan. You knew I wanted coffee M&M's at 58 miles. (laughs) I hear I'm at 70, hungry, and I'm failing. (laughs) What'll be one reason you succeed? Same question, but why will you succeed? I think this this training group right here, the the accountability of doing the training. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think that one of the things that allows me to do these things is having um, people to train with, having friends to run with, having oh, yeah. having training partners you know i have i have guys that i run with during the week i have you guys that we do our long runs we i think that the accountability of that and the the camaraderie of it the it it brings a level of joy to the training that i think if you were trying to do it without it would be a really tough task we we said that this morning when we're talking about we're going to do the 4x4x48 four by four by in march Right. That's the David Goggins, four miles every four hours for 48 miles. And 48 said, hours. It's 48 hours, but we just... Is it four, also 48 miles? He says 48 miles, because oh. it's 44 hours, realistically, if you run. Oh, Remember we yeah, talked about right. that? Yeah. And, uh, and my, I talked about, hey, my buddy John wants to come do it with it. And you guys were like, absolutely, because running is a community thing. It's a thing. The more, the merrier, as you say, like... If you can bring the more people together and, and, and listen to the podcast or go for a run, and it makes it easier on you because it's more enjoyable. It, it, 13 and a half miles this morning, if I was running by myself, with 100% certainty, I would tell you I wouldn't have done that. 
I would not have done that. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have been at six fifteen in the morning talk, taking. And I off. maybe couldn't have done it. I think physically. <laughs> so I mean, it's just it's a pick me up physically. It's a pick me up mentally. Yeah. I think that's the 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 reason why we do it. Yeah. Can do it. Is is this right here? Well, let's get to the lightning round. So right. anytime we interview anybody on the podcast, we're going to have five questions. They don't know what's coming. And we're just going to fire them off. They're very simple answers, and then we'll wrap up the episode. So, Jared, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie of all time is very easy. It's Tombstone. Classic. What book has had an influence on you? The book that has had an influence. There's been a lot. I, I read. Um, there's been a lot of books that have had an influence on me. The most recent one I can think of that that truly kind of challenged me mentally and, and I think had a big impact on me was probably David Goggins can't hurt me. I mean, no, I mean that's a lot of people today. Is it that, really is, is. I, and that's I almost hate to give that answer because it's sort of a popular answer right now. But I I cannot lie, David Goggins has had a big impact on how I think about my life. What's your favorite meal? My favorite meal is a really excellent ribeye if it's bone in it's even better um i love nice great steakhouses and steak and a good baked potato with a wedge salad best meal best meal favorite race you know i think it would be close i the hotter hell race i had a great time at other than our sleeping arrangements which was in the back of my wife's car which was not long enough for me to spread my spread out so yeah, that was a little awkward our sleeping arrangements were terrible you guys slept together in Jeff and I suburban? slept yeah. next to each other in the I suburban. didn't sleep much <laughs> yeah I didn't sleep much Jared is snoring. he a sweater at night <laughs> Jared snoring and literally me. it was just like maybe three inches too short for me to be able to yeah. straighten my legs and so it was just at the perfectly annoying distance but anyway so that was a, that was a great race but I would say overall the La Quinta 70.3 Best race venue, oh, yeah. best time of year, everything. The only drawback was the cold water, but it gave us a great <laughs> yeah. story. So, Oh, yeah. We'll talk La, about it on the next La, episode. La Quinta, <laughs> my favorite race. Uh, favorite gear. Your, one, one piece of your favorite gear, or whatever it is. The is. I'm not a big gear guy. Um, I, know, I know Jeff's a big gear guy. I'm not a big gear guy. Chief, you're not a big gear guy. No. But I will say one thing that I think is a game changer if you're if you're doing any sort of distance running at all is the hydration vest. Get rid of the belts. Camelbacks. No, you can't go camelback. You got, <laughs> no, get rid of the camelbacks. Yeah, to, but but a hydration vest really is uh, that that is probably the piece of gear that I feel like is I'm most excited about right now. And what what vest are you using? I use the Ultimate Direction. Okay. And it's and I can't say enough good things about it. I couldn't even pack that thing full if I tried to. No, and if you, oh man, it would hold so much weight if you did. Yeah, yeah. Well, that let's go ahead and just end on that note. Then I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in to the episode where we can find well, where you can find us on social media is me on Instagram at Savage Navy Chief. We got Jeff. Where you find you at? Find me on Facebook, Jeff Boyer, J E F F B O Y E R. Yes. Okay. And then Jared? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Iron Man Lawyer. Iron Man Lawyer. So like, subscribe. We also got our email set oh, up with the podcast. Us. Thank you. Email us any questions or comments. What's the email? Anything you want us to cover. It's 3okrunners at gmail.com. 
3OKRunners at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next episode.